0: Trauma-informed care suggests that everyone that walks through the door has some trauma in their life, whether you know it or not. I would say that trauma-informed worship suggests that everyone who tunes in or who comes on campus, we make the thought that there's some trauma in their lives. Chapel Roswell, today we are responding to um, the need in our community. We are hearing more and more from our families and from our neighbors and from our friends that they're experiencing trauma um, from our pandemic. And so today, we are going to spend this time thinking through mental health and what it means because we don't think it's a stigma. We don't think it's um, something to ignore. Mental health is not something that we can throw away or... um, make light of. Mental health is real and it impacts so many of us. And so in our worship today, we gather all of our spirits and all of what has happened to us and what is happening now through our pandemic. And we think through ways that we can um, receive help or ways that we can be help for others. And so I invite you to be a part of the mental health conversation with me. Today, we're going to talk with amy lloyd who is one of our counselors at our counseling center so thank you amy for joining me today sure um so tell me a little bit now how long have you been at the counseling center and tell me a little bit about your role and your time there
1: sure so i have been at the rumc counseling center for about five years now And I'm a licensed professional counselor, so I'm in uh, private practice. And one of a fun fact is that I have a standard poodle, and now I actually have two standard poodles. And um, they sometimes join me in therapy, so that's always a a fun addition uh, sometimes to therapy. Yes, so I, yes, I've worked... um, in private practice before coming to RUMC. And now that I'm on campus, it's great to be part of the community uh, at RUMC. I'm, I'm very lucky and fortunate to be part of such a wonderful community.
0: A lot of people don't even know that we have the Counseling Center on campus, and so I'm really glad to highlight that part of our campus. It's kind of in the back the back of the parking lot. So um, a lot of people drive by it, but they don't always know what that is. And
1: so I'm- They call it, yeah, down the hill, they say. Oh, down the hill somewhere, yeah.
0: Down the hill. (laughs) Down the hill, that's where you go for for help. So today we really want to think about mental health, and we're talking about mental health. We're going into Mental Health Awareness Month even. And um, so I just wanna ask, pretty basic question. What exactly is mental health? When we think of it, what should we be thinking of when we hear mental health? What is it?
1: Sure. So at a high level, our our physical health, we can call the health of our body. And mental health is actually what goes on in our minds with our feelings and our emotions. So when we think of mental health, we can kind of frame it in the way that it would be our internal uh, ability to cope with challenging life events and have some emotional balance as we do that. So when we talk about it, it doesn't mean that we don't ever feel sad or angry, but instead it's more of a focus on resilience. And so when somebody has mental health, they're able to connect socially, empathetically, And then they have the strength to care for themselves, i.e. self-care. We hear a lot about self-care these days. Yeah. And and mentally healthy individuals also have the ability to express their emotions and to regulate their emotions in a balanced way.
0: Hmm. And who does mental health impact?
1: Mm. (laughs) Well, good question for where we are today, but everybody, we are collectively impacted by mental health, and, you know especially during these times of uncertainty. So you know we are challenged to face our daily changing plans, working and having school at home, our safety of our health, and in our ability to to connect and interact in person which leads us to to feeling if we cannot connect in person there's a greater chance that we feel more isolated and and lonely so i think we're all all impacted by mental health i don't know anyone who escapes it yeah so mental health doesn't it sounds like it
0: knows no boundaries it doesn't understand race it doesn't understand age (laughs) it doesn't understand ethnicity or class or gender um, it just kind of impacts all of us. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I was saying this a little earlier when you and I were just chatting. I really think that God created us to be together. God created us to be in community with one another. And I think the impacts of this pandemic are showing us what happens when we're not able uh, to be together. And we're not able to be in community. And it's just kind of, it feels to me like it's exasperating. Um, underlying issues have always been there or people who are coping on a normal you know non-pandemic way mental health is even more um, exaggerated now because of everything we're having to live through when people think though about getting help um, at a counseling center or making calls a lot of people don't know who to go to they think pastoral counselor or therapist, or psychologist, or psychiatrist, can you help give us an idea of different the different titles of people and maybe um, different roles that they
1: have? So I guess we'll, beginning with a pastor, <laughs> you know that well. So a uh, pastor uh, typically would have a bachelor or master's in theology or ministry or religious studies. And um, a, a psychotherapist would have a master's in counseling and then they obtain a license to practice so whether they're a marriage and family therapist or a licensed professional counselor or a social worker they would have a license to practice that and they have continuing education a psychologist would obtain a PhD and psychologists can choose either working in research or they can work in a clinical practice. So they also have licensure. And then the difference between a psychotherapist and a psychiatrist is a psychiatrist is an MD. So they are a doctor and they can also prescribe medication. So I think what's important to note in all of these fields is that they all, or all of these degrees? There's a great amount of clinical work which is achieved after the degree, and is, and this is ongoing throughout their career. So it's important to note that that they they rece- they do a lot of work after the schooling is done, mm-hmm. and this is very very important. I'm sure you can relate. <laughs> well yes,
0: and that's true because you have to keep up your licensure, and you have to keep continuing it. In this time of COVID and quarantine and sheltering in place, have there been any um, articles or anything or quick research, quick things that are being done to talk to therapists um, and licensed folks about how to look for different trigger
1: signs or different warning signs of mental health? Absolutely, this started back in April, mm-hmm. so there are a lot. Uh, there's been a lot of research. Done. I was just reading a study done and uh, that was done in September about uh, a comparison of individuals interviewed between seven, 2017 and 2018 and then 2020 and it was over a 1000 uh, individuals and they were talking about their increased anxiety and depression. Um, because of what's been going on related to COVID. Mm-hmm. And so what's great in our field is there have been a lot of trains, or a lot of folks that are putting out free trainings to support uh, the therapist, to get the message from the therapist onto the client or patient. So it's, it's good to know that there's a lot being done around uh, coronavirus to, to support because the support is, is needed in the communities.
0: I was looking around and I too saw some surveys. And one of them that really caught my eye was there was a survey done between April, May, and June of 2019 and they compared it to the second quarter of 2020. So April, May, and June, that same time period. And it said that um, adults are saying that there are are three times as many adults are saying that there is signs of anxiety and four four times as many people in that same time period are showing signs of depression.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and in particular, what was alarming to me were the thoughts of suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looked like, in particular, um, in the age range of 18 to 24, there need there seems to be a um, and that for some reason, 18 to 24 year olds there's double the amount of people who are actively seeking to take their lives. And so it's just real. It just sends an alarm out to you to say, we need to go help. <laughs> we need to find these people and tell them that we love them and that we're going to get through this. It was alarming to see what a high rate of suicidal thoughts there are
1: Yes, absolutely. Well, there's, there's such a stigma around mental illness and we like to think that the stigma is, is lessened over the last 20 years. Uh, statistics probably don't show that. But when we think of a physical illness, we've all had one form of physical illness in our lives. And we don't judge that if, you know, if we become sick. But when it comes to mental illness, uh, there's sometimes a, a tendency to, to dismiss or ignore or or deny what's going on due, you know, just due to the stigma. And you know, it's, there's a feeling of weakness or shame expressed in admitting and especially in that age group that you're talking about 18 to 24. And you know, with physical illness, it's the stigma isn't there as, as much. I always think of the, the uh, example of if you have surgery, typically you'll be prescribed PT to follow up surgery. And why do we have PT? Well, it's so we can heal quicker and, and we can and get, gain strength, right? And that makes such good sense. So, you know, we don't question the need or weakness around physical recovery, but we do with mental illness. So, you know, it's easier to speak about physical ailments versus mental stress, mm-hmm. but like physical health, if our mental health is not acknowledged, it exacerbates. And in anxiety and depression, um, even grieving, which is which is actually not mental illness it 's part of human life, uh, it can become more problematic and, and difficult to heal. so you speak to a, a really impo- something that 's really important right now, and that is to we need to rip away the stigma on on and, and calling it mental illness. Um, physical illness is okay, but somehow mental illness. It not okay and um but it's there and and it is okay and uh talking about it is is the first place to start that's right and you know it also says that 40 percent of adults have these
0: issues and so that means they're it's it's happening all around us and so why not be the people that say it's, it's stop being you know a stigma we're gonna stop and we're actually gonna treat you um We're going to help provide the treatment because as you suggest, physical illness gets treatment. You can get a ride to that doctor's appointment all day long. Yes, It's a little harder to get the ride to the therapist maybe, or to get the treatment you need, you know, people rally around um, sicknesses and treatments in a different physical sicknesses and treatments in a different way. And I know from a little previous training that i have had those suicide contracts, the, you know, you cut, you contract with people. So as soon as you can identify someone that, um, is having those thoughts, you can immediately start to say, okay, you've got to call me in an hour. What can I do for you? You know, those, but until then, and how do we see, um, warning signs? Are there things that we can look for in our neighbors and our friends and our family members to help us, um, know what we're seeing? You know there are signs of physical illness what are those signs of um, something a little different
1: mental illness shows up in different ways and so one of the signs would be withdrawing so pu- kind of pulling back shutting down um, the the signs personally would be if someone is having a hard time sleeping or eating Uh, Or overeating or turning to chemicals more if you notice that in in a friend that they're uh, turning to alcohol uh, or chemical. uh, That would be a sign because typically these are signs of uh, people struggling to try to change their mood or try to numb out. So those are a couple of different signs that that we see uh, that are are warnings for us. And if you're kind of concerned about somebody that you love... Uh, if, you, if you notice that, uh, that pulling away or kind of dismissing, like I, I spoke about earlier, uh, that might be another sign that there's something else going on.
0: So let's say that I see this in a family member or a friend. I'm noticing these signs. What would you suggest that I do next?
1: How talk do I? Yeah, I would talk to them directly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would, I would, I would uh, share that I feel concerned, and that I care for them, and um, that there's help out there. I'd let them know that there's help out there. That that description uh, one time um, was explained. I love this this analogy. If you have a, if your tooth hurts, you're going to the dentist. If if you're feeling sad in your brain. <laughs> You don't want to do that. Just like we talked. So, so really trying to assist that person saying, Hey, it's okay. It's okay. I, 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 I see you, you're important to me and there is help. Mm-hmm. There's help out there. You're not alone, which is, which kind of you said dovetail earlier into how we're feeling right now. We're, we're spending a lot of time alone.
0: Yeah. Uh, right. And so if I am hearing this, And I'm thinking to myself, wow, I have been um, isolated. I have been withdrawn, whether I'm meant to be or not, or forced to be or not. Mm -hmm. Um, I have been turning to all of these other substances. If I'm hearing this right now and I want to get help, what would I do?
1: How do I get that? Yeah, well, uh, we can start right at RUMC if you like. (laughs) So we have uh, their support here. Uh, at the rumc counseling center right now some of us are working remotely um, but we do have three therapists and a psychiatrist at the rumc counseling center so right here uh, on our uh, the the rumc website you can go right on and and look up and read about the different therapists and give them a call send them an email Um, begin that way uh, we also have, uh, in the Counseling Center, we have 14 support groups. Uh, we have grief share, uh, divorce care. Uh, there is a support group for survivors of people who have completed suicide. There are uh, so many groups. A lot of them are meeting remotely at this time. We hope soon and someday we'll get back to in-person. Uh, then there are also uh, through uh, our UMC, there, is, uh, there are Stephen ministers, and they work with, they've had uh, special training that they've received through the church, and they work with individuals. They're wonderful people. And, um, and, and there's also, you can also talk with your pastor. So there, there's just, you just don't have to be alone. I think that's the message here. You don't have to weather this alone. There is support. Part
0: of what we're doing here is in response to um, our families reaching out to us. And some of the parents have called saying that they have anxiety and depression as an adult and that they're also concerned because they're seeing warning signs in their children. Mm -hmm. And so can you speak a little bit about um, are there resources and people to help for the different ages, children versus adult therapy?
1: Absolutely. It's a different it's a different um, kind of care uh, whether you're treating an adult versus a child. So I would say that example about putting the os- oxygen mask on yourself um, first and um, the, the, to take care of yourself first and foremost, and then getting care for your child. Absolutely. Uh, we have a therapist that works with younger uh, I don't know if we have one that works with little ones, but I know that we're uh, we have some folks that work with younger kids. Um, so that is is absolutely um, imperative that both get care, um, and it's and it's and it's here and it's absolutely something to be to to look um, to look at. If you
0: could say anything to um, to someone who needed help who had never been to a therapist, who'd never considered that before, who grew up with that stigma um, in order to help someone that has grown up with that kind of as a joke or talked about, is there something that you would want to say to that person?
1: Mm, Yeah, that's such, that is such a a good question that you ask. Um, What to say to somebody who may not be open to, to counseling or therapy, um, I think part of it is um, before you judge it, give it a try, because you know judging is really when we judge somebody, we're really harming ourselves more than we're we're harming someone else. And and I think that there is just there's not enough information ab- about it that's out there, and so people feel uncomfortable. And so when people feel uncomfortable, sometimes negativity comes out. So, so just being, having a positive mindset about, Hey, kind of, like I said about going on the walk, Hey, don't knock it until you try it. Um, it's here. Um, it's, it's on campus. Um, there's, there's also psychology um, psychology today. Uh, if, if you're looking for a therapist, you can look up on psychology today and, and just put in your area and and you can just go onto that site and read about different therapists and see and, and, and get a feel for what they what their practice is. I also encourage people to and I have this happen all the time where people call me and and just say, Hey, I'm looking for a therapist, can I ask you a few questions? And so um I highly recommend that to see if there's a good fit because just like any doctor if there's if, if there's not a good fit, you're not going to want to continue, so we always make that and make that known in, in, in the forefront that hey, let's have a conversation. maybe I'm not a good fit for you, but here here's someone else that may be
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so it kind of takes that nervousness uh, away uh, about beginning it and um and know that and, and to have some hope about it uh, and to know you're not alone i think I think that's important to know. I think I see these signs everywhere. It's a Roswell thing. We are not alone or you're not alone. We're in this together.
0: Are there things that you would suggest without putting too much on the spot? Are there breathing techniques or mind uh, mental things that you are physical activities that you would suggest just to help going forward all of us as we're thinking about children going back to school possibly, or maybe our children are already in school. Our jobs are starting to have different demands and some versions of these hybrid work environments and living environments are happening. Are there things that you can suggest?
1: Sure. So our minds and bodies are, are so intricately connected. We, we know, we know this now. And uh, so if we're not taking care of our bodies uh, we know it affects our our, our mind. So, um, when we talk about exercise, I'm not saying that we need to become Ironmen and um, triathletes. Uh, that's extreme. Oh, thank and- <laughs> goodness. I <laughs> say? Uh, however, walking every day, every day, is important. And so one of the things that we talk about in therapy is just getting outside and it doesn't have to be a speed walk. And I recommend disconnecting from technology, walking without, if you can, without your phone and getting out in nature every day. And, and I, this even includes when it's raining. And as our temperatures change, it's a beautiful time to do that right now. Um, so so doing some walking, there's a, a study that shows that walking is a, is as effective as an antidepressant after time. Uh, so after about six months of taking the antidepressant, when, when you're out walking, uh, you'll have benefits. And one way to test it is to actually just try it. So um, one of the challenges I, I give to clients is to say, Check in how you feel after and see if you ever feel worse after you go for a walk. So that, that's something that we all know and to create that habit of doing it every day, uh, to, to just get out of the house and walk and, um, no, no, no technology. So, so that would be one, um, breathing techniques, of course, um, I, I practice yoga and I teach yoga, and so one of the most important things about yoga is is our breathing. And so when you know anxiety is occurring, our heart rate increases, and um, our blood pressure increases, and so we have a hard time relaxing our nervous system. So just slowing down the breath. Uh, there are lots of videos that you can just check, uh, you can check out on YouTube about just breathing for breathing for stress relief. And one last one is I love the call map. And um, I thought that they should do uh, some kind of uh, COVID discount right now. I think they are doing some kind. Of, I know they give like a, a discount when you join, or a, a, I think a free 10 days or something like that. Um, but the Calm app, if you've not tried it, uh, I think there are also some free versions. One is called Insight Timer, mm-hmm. where you would just get into a practice of meditation daily. And, and meditation is really just sitting and breathing. And uh, that's really all there is. You, you can't really do it wrong. Yeah. And there are great benefits for, for anxiety in, in meditation. So yeah, can
0: thank you enough for spending the time with us. I
1: really appreciate <laughs> it so happy to do it so happy to be with you today
0: mental health is a real issue that we want to continue to talk about we don't want it to have the stigma that it's had we don't want to have negative feelings around it and so chapel roswell is committed to continuing the conversation about mental health and so if you need to continue that conversation if you need ways to connect to our counseling center reach out to us so we may be a part of that Um, If you have friends and family that need to hear from Amy or what she had to share with us, please let them know that they too can click on this and hear a little bit more. But we want to be a part of helping others um, come and treat anxiety and mental health and depression and their own trauma so that we can together be a place of healing and wholeness. Want to add just a few more resources to the list that Amy gave us. I want to add the resource of Scripture. God speaks to us through Scripture. And so I invite you to spend time and find a verse that um, God is using for you right now. There are verses um, right here Cast your cares on the Lord. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. For I am the Lord your God. God is my refuge and my strength. God is with me. I'm not afraid. Right there, six different passages, both from old and new, that might speak to you. Maybe it's a serenity prayer right now. Whatever it is that you need, search scripture, and God can speak to you. Find your verse. That can even be a response. I know for me, um, my entire adult life, it has been, my scripture has been, for you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. Um, That's what I use. Um, But I invite you to find your own. Another resource is prayer. So I invite you to talk to God. Use prayer in addition to all of these other resources um, so that you can just spend time in conversation with God and tell God how you're feeling. Uh, No matter what it is, um, just say it out loud. Say it in your heart, whatever you need to do so that the spirit inside of you is speaking to the creator. But again, I do want to make sure that this is an ongoing conversation so that we can um, together um, be not okay until everyone is okay. And so now, um, let us spend a few moments together in prayer. Gracious and holy Lord, I thank you for this time. And I thank you for a time that we have the opportunity to talk about sometimes being unhealthy or emotionally unaware or just emotionally sad. I thank you that you are a part of those conversations. Take them all now and use our conversation that we've had with Amy and the conversations that we've had with ourselves. Take them all, Lord, and bless them. May you use each one of us To reach out to someone else. If there's someone in our life that we're worried about, nudge us to check on them. If we happen to be the person that needs to be checked on, help us to reach out to somebody else and say, Can you help me? Lord, as your sons and as your daughters, may we have a sense of vulnerability right now so that we can be stronger for you. And Lord, may you remind us that it's okay. Um, to say that we're weak and it's okay to say we need help and it's okay um, for us to be worried but help us to know that it's okay to receive the help we need I do ask for special blessings for all of those people who feel like they're at their wits end, who feel like life is not worthy, who feel like their life is of no value and for people who think it will be easier not to be here and to take away their lives. Lord, I ask a special blessing on them. Put people in their lives right now so that they can hear words of hope again. May we be the people to come alongside others and hold their hand or to carve out space for them or just to listen. Whatever it is that we can do to save at least one life, Lord, help us to do it. Be with us in these days of pandemic so we may know that there is nothing in this world that can separate us from you. And so show us ways that we can be a community every day, even if we're alone in our home or feeling alone. Remind us that we are in community with you. Lord, take all that we offer now, amen. Another way to respond is through our giving And I want to remind you that when you give to campus, when you give to Chapel Roswell, you're giving to support things like our counseling center down the hill. And so you can give using the different ways on your screen. But please know that every time you support Chapel Roswell, you're supporting different ministries and the work here on campus. And so thank you. And so now hear these words. Be well. Be healthy and be okay. Amen.